Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Yumiko. Yumiko has just launched their pinch collection. Your favorite leotards can now be reimagined with a classic pinch front. Shop the collection online at yumiko.com or contact your local Yumiko store to personalize an Anna, Daniela, or Tamara leotard in your color with a pinch front. Offer ends March 1st, 2019. Yumiko has also just added new colors to their recent leg warmer collection. Enjoy even more ways to match these lightweight leg warmers to your favorite Yumiko leotards. And now you can enjoy a 10% discount on orders of 10 or more with their new group discount. For more information about all the new happenings at Yumiko, visit their website, yumiko.com. This episode is brought to you by the Kennedy Center. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today's episode of Conversations on Dance was recorded at a live post-performance event at the Kennedy Center. At the beginning of February, American Ballet Theater brought Alexei Ratmansky's Harlequinade to the Kennedy Center for a week of incredible performances. Following a Saturday matinee, we caught up with EBT soloist Skylar Brandt, who had just danced the lead role of Columbine. In this live podcast event open to audience members, we talk with Skylar about her initial dance training, attending ABT's Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis School, and moving through the ranks at ABT. Following this discussion, we filmed a 20-minute bonus walk and talk with Skylar while we walked her through the beautiful halls of the Kennedy Center back to her dressing room. In this bonus video, we talk with her about her performance, working with Alexi Ratmansky, and even pause to sit in the empty house after the audience has filtered out to discuss what a special experience it is to perform on the Kennedy Center stage. Don't miss this bonus video that pairs perfectly with this week's episode. Click over to Kennedy Center's YouTube channel or find the link on her social media channels to watch now. 
Yeah, I'd like to say thanks again for, for joining us here at the Kennedy Center. Um, we're really appreciative that you guys stayed after the show for this little chat. My name is Michael Breeden. And my name is Rebecca King-Ferraro. And like Art mentioned, we are um, hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance, but we're also former Miami City Ballet dancers. We danced with the company for over 10 years, so this is kind of our career transition. <laughs> um, so we're so happy to have uh, Skylar with us here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> I think this is a first for us, too, that we've had someone you know, bust out multiple variations, do a full-length ballet, and then <laughs> sit down for a conversation. So we're always grateful f to have our guests, but this is an especially um, unique thing that we're doing here. So thanks. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> so before we get started, we normally like in this um, atmosphere to open the floor to some questions, but we might not have time today because we have a limited time with her because as you can imagine, she needs to like eat and take a nap after that. <laughs> so um, if we don't get any questions, we will be doing a multimedia recording with her afterwards we'll, where we will be asking her more questions and that's going to appear on the Kennedy Center's um, social media channels. So look out for that but also if you'd like to ask her any questions you can tweet us and we will ask her so at convo on dance on twitter or you can find us on instagram and send us some questions as well so now let's get started <laughs> skylar can you tell us a little bit about your early dance training um i'm from westchester new york and so i went to a small dance studio called scarsdale ballet um, which had uh, teachers uh, Diana White from New York City Ballet and uh, Christian Klassens and also a Russian teacher, Valentina Kozlova. So I had kind of a really wonderful mixture of styles um, and teachers. And it was just a great uh, small studio where I got to dance a lot of um, different productions and they sort of let me have a lot of opportunities. Um, and then from there, I was started studying privately and then I was commuting into the city um, a few days a week until eventually it became clear that we needed to make a move into the city because my mom was shuttling me back and forth, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I sort of began before I joined the JKO school at ABT. Mm -hmm. So when you joined the JKA school, it was um, pretty much in its infancy. It was about mm -hmm. a year or two old mm -hmm. at that point. So what made you decide that that was the right move to make as a young dancer? Um, so it's interesting because I started uh, at ABT school. They created a new division of the school, the, the elementary division um, for kids like 12 to 13 uh, or 14. And I also began with um, the new principal of the school, Franco DeVita. And I just knew I wanted to be in ABT, so I thought I should probably join the ABT school. So yeah. it was sort of a, a gamble or a risk because it was so new. The school was so new. The director of the school was brand new, right along with me. But um, I just felt that that was the correct even career move, if you will, um, even from a young age, I thought, well, maybe they should start to get to know me a little bit, and because um, I'd like to be there. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you at that point? Um, I believe I was 12. I was 12 years old, so it was, you know, I've actually been in the ABT family forever, and it's so strange because, you know, Kevin has the director, artistic director of ABT, has seen me grow up from you know, 12 years old to 26. So he's known me for a long time. And I think it's an, it must be interesting for an artistic director to see someone starting out um, as a child and then start to see them in a different light as an adult, mature, professional dancer. Um, and I'm sure he's done that many a time with <laughs> various people in the company. But um, 
yeah, definitely an ABT baby. <laughs> so you won a silver medal at YAGP Youth America Grand Prix in 2004 and 2008. So that was right, the first one was right before you went to JKO mm -hmm. and the other one was after you were a student there. So how did those two experiences differ with maybe the different, mm -hmm. different training, kind yeah. of taking ballet more seriously? And what did you learn from that experience that you took with you in your professional career? Mm -hmm. um, well, competing in Youth America Grand Prix was, um, very eye-opening. Uh, you sort of get to see where you stand as a as a dancer among other dancers from around the world because it's an international competition. Um, so, and as well, there it's enormous exposure, um, different uh, directors and teachers from various dance schools and companies from around the world come to view you, view the competitors and the kids. So it was a really wonderful way to sort of get out there and see where do I fall in the world of dance, um, even from a young age? Um, so that was really invaluable, and also the connections that you make uh, throughout that process. Um, I'm still reaping the benefits of that today as a professional. Um, I can still go to Youth America Grand Prix and ask the people that I know there for help with things, and so that's really wonderful. Um, but the experiences differed between 2004 and 2008 in the training, um, in my maturity, of course, the four years makes a world's difference when you're that young. Um, and so I was a bit of a stronger dancer uh, by 2008 and had a little bit different style, um, different approach. But of course, in 2004, um, I don't know if my training was good too. So <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was a great experience for sure. So just today we saw you um just for total ease, approach these really technically demanding <laughs> variations. Do you think that those early years where you had to just kind of go out cold mm -hmm. and do you know two minutes of bravura dancing, did that set you up for now, for, for these full yeah. lengths? Yeah, for sure. I think there's something to be said for competitions in the sense that um, you know, you're going out and you're doing that two-minute variation and you have to prove yourself in that time and there's not room for error especially when you're competing um, and so there's a certain amount of abandon um, that you have to have when you go out on stage of course and I think the audience more relates to your presentation and the ease and the joy of dance than even some of the technicality um, but certainly training for competition in that way uh, helps to prepare you for those kinds of situations on stage where you have you know intense periods of time where you're moving and performing um, so yeah I'm certainly trying to still call upon those times when I was younger and you're, you're sort of fearless when you're that young mm -hmm. um, the stakes don't even feel as high, and so I feel like that's really important to hold on to as a professional. I mean, it's it's weird to say because it's on such a um, grand scale, and especially it was my dream to be an ABT doing ex exactly this. So the fact that I get to do it, it's a huge deal, um, but I'm also trying to live in the moment and enjoy it. So that's really what's important. So uh, you joined the studio company of American Ballet Theater in 2009. What was that day like for you? How did you find out? You know, yeah. most dancers, that can be the most special day of your life. What yeah. you've waited for, 
you know, yes. your whole childhood <laughs> and it's there. So what was that? How did that moment uh, go down for you? Yeah, I remember I was in um, my parents' apartment and I got a phone call just on my cell phone. And it was, hi, Skylar, this is Wes Chapman from American Ballet Theater's uh, ABT2. Um, you know, we'd like to talk to you about joining this studio company. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> on the inside. But I was like, OK, sure. You know, like <laughs> casual. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider it. No, I, mean, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was like so exciting because of course it was something that I really hoped for and I thought might be happening for me but you never really know and I didn't I don't take anything for granted so it was such an important moment for me it was like the next stepping stone to achieving my dreams and and I also I had had a conversation with um, my the director of the school Franco and he said oh maybe you know next year or something and the call came a whole year earlier um so for me that was a shock um and very exciting and uh it was a whole different experience because you're really like a professional um in the studio company and we were touring and we were responsible for ourselves and there were no chaperones and you know you're really i mean you're a kid but you're doing the real thing so um it was an enormous amount of responsibility uh but also an important step towards growing and and getting to this point i would right. say yeah so you said that abt was your dream company did you watch abt a lot growing up did you ever have your eye on any other companies yeah so um i'm being from new york um i grew up watching abt and my parents always made sure that we were very cultured we would go to the philharmonic we'd go to broadway we'd see the ballet so um <clears throat> i remember watching the ballet and getting lost in sort of the fantasy world the costumes the story ballets and i thought that's so much fun like to dress up like a princess and be swept away by the prince and i mean this is exactly what i do in my bedroom <laughs> you know <at> home. <laughs> so um you know for me it was it was like the dream job um but i thought that looks easy you know i saw i actually saw julie kent dance and I thought that looks like nothing I can do that and then I started ballet and I realized it was not easy at all um, <laughs> but then I fell in love with the challenge of it I've always been a fan of challenges so for me it was completely stimulating completely awesome and I've always um, admired ABT for their wide variety of rep um, the, the story ballets but also the contemporary works as well and the dancers that I admired watching growing up you know I just was I was like I want to be them so I really had my eyes set on ABT and I think a lot of people might consider that very like close-minded or narrow-minded but to me that was just that's it mm -hmm. you know that's that's what's happening for me so yeah were there any uh, ballerinas during that time when you were younger that you watched growing up that then you maybe danced alongside yes uh well that's another weird thing it's not only was Kevin w watching me grow up but I mean I was supering in some of ABT's productions not dissimilar to what the children did today on stage and so I was you know on stage and maybe became familiar with certain big stars like Gillian Murphy and Julie Kent and uh you know Susan Jaffe Susan Jaffe Irina Dvorovanko people like like that that were my you know they were my total idols and then I grew up and joined the company and then I was dancing with them and then all of a sudden one of my or my first principal role with uh, ABT was um, Alexei Ramonsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 which is sort of an abstract ballet part of a Shostakovich trilogy and uh, my 
I guess, counterpart was Jillian Murphy. And I said to myself, oh my God, I can't believe I'm helping to lead the ballet with this woman that I've been admiring all my life and, <laughs> you know, who I think is so amazing. So that was another surreal moment uh, for me and wonderful. Right. Yeah. So uh, you already brought up just now the uh, Alexi Ballet that was your first opportunity. What mm -hmm. were some other opportunities and uh, how did they come about? What, what mm -hmm. did you do to prepare for them? Um, I remember my first uh, solo or soloist role with ABT was The Four Little Swans, which was fine because I'd been doing that since um, I was, you know, 12 or 13 mm -hmm. <laughs> in the school. Um, and also I got to do Twyla Tharps in the upper room. I was uh, one of the bomb squad dancers. Um, then there was Alexi's piano concerto number one. And I think that these roles just came along. Um, a lot of it is luck in the sense that we need a short girl for little swans. You're a short girl, so, and you're, I mean, of course you have to be, <laughs> you have to be somewhat capable as well. But I mean, you know, I think a lot, a lot of my opportunities with ABT have arisen because um, because of injuries, which is never uh, a great thing. You know, no one ever wants to be injured, but that's really the nature of the business. Um, so I filled in a lot for those reasons. Um, so yeah, I think I've just tried to take every opportunity by the horns and um, give 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 it thought, give it energy and and preparation time and. I've, that's how I tried to do my best and everything, and mm. yeah. Have you? Are you a nervous dancer? Like, do you get really nervous before these big roles, especially maybe some of these early opportunities that you got? Or are you just like cool and calm? <laughs> yeah, I think um, certainly before uh, when I was younger and I was first getting these opportunities, it definitely made me nervous because I felt like a lot was riding on it. Um, you know, of course, how well you do in your performance, sort of in turn uh, relates to whether or not you're going to get promoted or how they see you and, and that's that sort of thing. But now um, I think with more stage time and experience and practice, um, you know, I'm able to let go of the nerves and might come with just age and, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I definitely used to be a little bit more nervous, but then now I think I've gotten rid of that. Not to say it won't come back with another role that's completely scary, but. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Alexi is widely thought by people at this table uh, <laughs> to be the world's greatest ballet choreographer. So it's no uh, small deal that he picked you out of the core for your first big yeah. principal part. So um, what, was, what were those early rehearsals like with Alexi yeah. and how do you think your relationship has evolved as you continue to, to work together? Um, well, I think Alexi is definitely known for plucking people out of the core in that way to give them big opportunities. If he sees something in you, he will push you to do his ballets, which is a wonderful thing. Um, it's really fortunate because people have gotten a lot of opportunities for that reason. Um, and I remember being in the studio with him and he was, I was so raring to go. I wanted to do everything and he just asks for so much and it's, I mean, it shows in his works, um, and s I feel that if you don't do his works the way that he envisions them, then the vision doesn't come to fruition. But um, he demands a lot, and it's wonderful because you feed off of that energy, and you know, so you push more, and then he pushes you a little more, and then you say, "Okay, am I doing it finally?" He's like, "Yes, but 
you can do even a little more and oh and this step can you actually do this and that so there's a lot of back and forth um i think you know it's one of those things where even just watching him if you observe him in the studio with a dancer i mean the dancer's just like flushed at the end um and he says okay good you know, and then gets up and is like, see you tomorrow <laughs> for some more torture. <laughs> um, but you can see, and the way he shows movement, I think what's really um, special about him is he is one of those teachers, choreographers that's able to demonstrate. So visually, like for someone like me, I'm a, I have a photographic memory. So for me, it's actually really valuable to be able to watch someone demonstrate the step exactly how... It, he wants it to be done, and that way I can sort of put it on my body um, instead of someone explaining something um, sort of without showing it. So that's also really cool. And if you ever watch him move, I remember when I first worked with him, I, would, I wouldn't even be listening to what he was saying. I was just kind of watching, like, wow, how is he moving like that? Because um, <laughs> it's pretty spectacular. So, uh, But I've kind of learned to stop being so in awe of it and try to absorb the information more. <laughs> we got to work with Alexi um, on two world premieres at Miami City Ballet too and I remember the first times he was showing things I'm just like are your tendons a million <laughs> miles long like the way yeah. he can move so big it's really and then you're like you want me to do that? No on, point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on point? Yeah it's really incredible. Yeah. Um, so as you're starting to get these opportunities in maybe some principal or soloist roles you're still in the core and you still have that mm. core workload to kind of balance. So how did you strike that balance between the two and make sure that you had enough energy for mm. both? Yeah, um, I think, and I've heard it from many actually principal dancers before that your time, if if you have a certain role in the company where you're in the corps de ballet, but you're also juggling solos and principal roles, it will be the hardest time in your whole career. Mm. Doesn't matter if you're gonna do a, a full length ballet as a principal, when you're in that position of having to um, prove yourself, be on for eight shows, um, do soloist part in the second act, but still finish your core parts in the third act and maybe have a principal uh, role the next day, I mean, to be really honest, I was I was dying. Like I really was um, trying so hard to keep my head above water. I mean, it was such an exciting period of time because I felt that you know I was maybe about to make a, a break or a personal you know breakthrough, um, or I might get promoted soon. But it's it's a really really difficult time mentally, physically, emotionally, because um, you just want those things so badly, and you want to do well, and you want to be there for your core parts. And it's not only doing your own work, but then you have people who get injured. You have to fill in for them too. So I mean, it it's just the craziest period of time ever. Um, but I certainly just tried to eat well, have a balanced life outside of work with my friends and family. I was getting maintenance done of massage and chiropractic and acupuncture. I mean, you're just like doing everything. <laughs> so, but, um, but it's interesting. I, I actually do miss that, those times as well of like being worked that hard that you just feel like you have nothing left to give. It's a really very rewarding feeling mm -hmm. too. So what were some of the roles that ultimately led to your promotion when you were going through that sort mm. of crazy time? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what I danced right before I got promoted, but um, I feel like I was doing a lot of everything, and um, we had some new productions as well, like The Sleeping Beauty, and um, there were also other uh, 
contemporary works like the Green Table and um, things that sort of allowed me also to show different sides of myself. Of course, something like Harlequinade is very um, coquettish and charming, but there were other roles that I had done that um, were more serious or maybe emotional, and I think that helped to um, have the artist artistic staff see me in a, in a different light and in a way that um, where they felt, oh, she might be able to do everything. Um, so. I was also working, um, and I still do, continue to um, work privately on my own, on the off time. Uh, so the work really never stops, and I always try to be one step ahead. I find out what the rep is for next year, and then I prepare um, before rehearsals. So by the time I walk into ABT Studios, it's already finished product. <laughs> um, and in a, in a big company like ABT, rehearsal time is very hard to come by. Um, at most, you get maybe a half an hour or, or 15 minutes for a variation. But there are so many details. There are details up to the fingernails and the eyelashes. So I'm the kind of dancer who wants to work on those things. And so I try to find the time to do so. And um, that work is very... Uh, you know, gratifying, and I feel like it shows, and and it gets mus You know, there's muscle memory too, so I try to stay ahead of the game in that sense. <laughs> so you've excelled in a lot of different various um, types of dancing, like you're talking about uh, Twyla Tharp's work, George mm -hmm. Balanchine. We're talking about Ratmansky. Um, is there any specific kind of style that you really particularly like, or any choreographer that you would like to do more of their work? Mm. Um, well, yes, I I love all of those choreographers. Um, I will say that I feel like my true love is, is classical ballet, so, you know, Petipa and those old works, um, because that's what I grew up watching, and, and, you know, I know that a lot of people feel that those ballets are becoming outdated, um, but for me, I'm, I'm always going to love Don Q, I'm always going to love, you know, Romeo and Juliet and that kind of thing, but... I think as well, you know, with various choreographers, there are certain pieces of theirs that I would like to dance. Um, so there's not one particular one that I feel is a favorite. I just have favorite ballets of each choreographer. And, um, you know, I've, however they've been done in the past or however I've seen them, I would like to portray those things too. Right. So uh, in today's performance, there was a real balance between you having to... Um, strongly bring across this character, mm -hmm. make sure that the narrative never got lost, and mm -hmm. then do these super technical mm -hmm. things and these variations. Is that part of what you find so appealing about these full-length ballets, that, mm -hmm. that you have to do both? Yes, definitely. Um, it's, it's two really interesting aspects of the art form, is the technical side and then the artistic side, and sort of finding the balance where you're comfortable enough in the tech technical side of it that you can forget about it and then focus on the artistic side. Um, so th I think that's where the work in the studio comes as far as practicing and making sure every step is perfect and um, just you know being consistent so that by the time you get on stage uh, you're able to have that abandon and let go and tell the story and be in the moment and enjoy it and maybe make some spontaneous decisions and react to your partner and react to the orchestra and um, you know, whatever, S look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, this is my character today. I mean, I think half the battle really is, is how you look as well. So that helps to transform a person. Um, so that is, that is appealing. And I think just even the pure stamina of getting through a two-act, three-act ballet is, is very impressive. But it also, it's nice because 
it's enough time on stage that even if something doesn't go perfectly or the way you want, there's so many other opportunities and, and moments to appreciate and enjoy and remember. I feel like I've asked like a principal dancer that before and I'll yeah. be like, how did it go? And she's like, I don't know. There's so many entrances. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to feel, right? Because there's I so many remember. opportunities <laughs> yeah. for good moments and yeah. moments that are like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so when you're talking about doing this work on your own in the studio, are you in the studio just by yourself? Are you working with a coach? I know a lot of ABT dancers mm -hmm. work with acting coaches. Right. What kind of, what does that work like for you? Yes, um, I've, I've taken actually private lessons from, I mean, every ballet dancer under the sun from every style because um, I feel that you can pull something from everyone um, but right now I'm training with um, Irina Dvorovenko and Maxine Belatsarkovsky who's they're they're both principals uh, with ABT and I grew up watching both of them and um, I don't know something clicks with them in the way that they're able to verbalize uh, certain tricks of the trade and and what to do and um, so I really connect with them and I'll, I'll book three hour time slots with them and just work one on one for three hours straight with them. Um, it's really tiring, but, uh, but also awesome. I mean, I think they're great and I know different people have worked with different, um, dancers, but those are the people I've been working with lately and they're, they're Russian and they're, um, tough so mm -hmm. um you know that's what i like <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about harlequinade um it was a huge process for lexi you know recreating it from the notation and obviously he did an immense amount of research um what did yeah. he offer to the dancers how much background was he giving you that he himself had brought into the mm -hmm. equation so um when i first did harlequinade earlier in the year, um, I was filling in for an injury. And uh, I had a week to be get, I mean, catch up to speed, basically, before I went on stage. And I remember um, Kevin came and told me, you're going to go in. And then I got a Facebook message from Alexi, who sent me an old black and white video of a dancer doing pantomime. And he said, take a look at this, Skylar, and I'll see you tomorrow. And so I was watching this video and, you know, it was very much like, you know, old black and white silent type film, um, very over the top, very animated. And then I went for rehearsal with him and on top of every single detail that he gave, he then pulled out his laptop and opened up a folder with old pictures of old ballerinas. Again, like, like he said, he, I mean, Alexei's extremely well researched. So um, it's the kind of thing where he'll say, he'll show a picture of the dancers and he says, can you do this? And then you're just in the mirror trying to literally get, I mean, even the angle of the hand and the head, it's like, try, I mean, again, it's a photographic thing, but he wants you to accomplish these old images because he's, he's studying from these old notations. And so he wants it to be as accurate as possible. Um, so he really, that's what he does. He shows pictures and videos and then will sh demonstrate himself and then kind of give you an idea that it's like an old silent film and then you kind of have to make it up from there <laughs> and apply it to yourself and say, okay, how do I, how do I make this um, his vision but also bring a little bit of myself into it and have that sort of mixture and balance, I guess. <laughs> 
Can you tell how much he's adding of kind of his own in? Because there's got to be some yeah. p parts that are missing in these notations. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny because um, Alexei definitely has a certain vocabulary. And I think the dancers, we joke about it sometimes. Anytime you see a skip in the ballet, we're like, oh, that's Alexei. Um, <laughs> you know, he has certain movements that he always uses. Um, and even just the way he approaches movement in general even if it's classical steps, it's it's definitely his vocabulary. So um, I think if you've worked with him for long enough and you've performed enough of his ballets, you can tell that's an Alexi step, that's an Alexi step, that's an Alexi step. So that's cool um, for sure. But even you see even see it in the little kids dance. Um, I'm I say to myself, oh, we do some of that in the Nutcracker mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So <laughs> um, yes, it's very distinguishable. Mm -hmm. I think uh, these sort of recreations are interesting because they offer challenges that you might not suspect. Um, mm -hmm. You might think dance has evolved so much in a technical way. You know, you guys can get your legs up here and do a 500 pirouettes, sure. but it is actually difficult to go back <laughs> to that style, right? Yes. Like holding your leg at 90 yes. and not ever above is uh, a challenge into itself. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I remember um, when we first worked on one of his uh, recreations, The Sleeping Beauty, he wanted the girls to do a step called a tonlier, which is where you push off of one foot and ba basically both legs are straight. It's a jump. But he wanted the back leg to be bent and for the longest time, at least myself, I was like also bending the other one because <laughs> I couldn't isolate my two legs um, because that was the style back yeah. then. <laughs> so um, there was certainly an adjustment to be, you know, to be made. And like you said, it is difficult to do what is counter to today's um, standards. Today's standards is to have your legs up by your head or to do a million pirouettes. But the way that dancers danced back then was to have your legs, maybe your knees slightly bent, a little bit softer, and your legs not so high, and your your um, passe not so high as well, like in a coup de pied, and maybe just two quick pirouettes, but not four slow ones. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. it's just so so much, so many details, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. And also so interesting that it's a world away from <coughs> what Alexi does um, on his own terms. So when yeah. you're doing Piano Concerto number one, he's asking you to do the most extreme 21st yes. century feats. Yes. So you're kind of, within this one choreography, you get a whole realm. Yes. Of, uh, yeah, just again, do. goes to show his range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you so much, Skylar, for joining us. Thank we appreciate so it. And we're going to continue our chat with her. So please look for on YouTube at the Kennedy Center. We'll have a little more. We're going to take a little backstage tour and talk with her more. So don't forget also to share your questions with us on Twitter or on Instagram. Conversations on Dance. Thank you guys so Thank much. You so Thank much you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you have not already, we invite you to subscribe to Conversations on Dance Now, wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing, you will get a notification every Monday when a new episode goes live. This way, you won't miss a moment of the COD action. And if you like what you heard today, we invite you to rate us and review us on iTunes. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.